Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumors versus Facts. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I am joined by Jed May, the recruiting writer at UJSports.com. It has been a very busy week on the recruiting front, and we were going to try to distinguish between some of the rumors and some of the lies and some of the truths and some of the falsehoods and all the fun stuff about Georgia football recruiting. Uh, there's still some guys on the docket for Georgia that they're trying to sign. Still with the number one class in the nation. Georgia had a big miss earlier this uh, a couple days ago. But then uh, yesterday they picked up a big, the number one all-purpose running back in the nation. Jed is here to break it down. We are here to answer your questions. So if you have a question, put it in the comment section. We will get to it. Of course, we're going to answer the questions from the vault first. The vault is the premier message board about Georgia recruiting. Uh, we have so many questions and so much, so much information at UJSports.com. We had to split our message board, well, our site, into two message boards. One is the vent. That's where we talk Georgia football. Rest of my recommendations, uh, all sorts of crazy crap over at the ugasports.com. And then uh, we have the vault, which is just for recruiting. So the only thing we talk in the vault, it is busier than just about any other message board you'll ever see. And Jed is a big reason for that. He's constantly putting updates over there. So Jed, you can tip your hat, take a bow. You are the guy who's keeping that running. Uh, also shout out to Trent Smallwood, uh, Blaine Gilmer, and even Paul, the intern. So those guys do their do a good job as well. But check out the vault for information. And of course, that is where our subscribers are. So we're going to answer their questions first. But if you have a question and you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever, uh, we're not on Twitch anymore. Or, or yeah, maybe we'll do Twitch one day and maybe TikTok. Uh, send in your questions, and we will get to it. First and foremost, Jed, uh, and folks, let us know where you're watching this from. We got to talk about KJ Bolden. That's uh, I know a lot of Georgia fans were disappointed. You actually went to the ceremony. It was nuts. Uh, we've had 40,000 people do the watch along with us. So kind of give us an overview. I know you did it yesterday when we were doing the uh, uh, watch along for the commitment yesterday of Nate Frazier. But for people who missed that, kind of describe what you saw and kind of how it went down. Yeah, well, you know, go back to this time a week ago and we were on Rumors versus Facts and we were talking about you know, this one's going to be wild all week. And, you know, if we had to pick, it would be Georgia, but Florida State was involved. Auburn was involved. Ohio State was involved. And and the week just went from there. You know, Georgia had momentum at points. Florida State had it. Auburn had it. All throughout the week, <laughs> Friday night into Saturday, you know, around lunchtime Saturday, Roddy, sources were telling me, sources were telling you, sources were telling Dash that Georgia felt good about where it was with K.J. Bolden. And then – between middle of the day and when he committed at 7.30, Florida State came in. They they upped the NIL offer that they had on the table. And um, K.J. Bolden picked up a Florida State hat off the table and, and put it on and committed to Florida State. So um, it, it, it's a miss. I mean, it's just like yeah. you know, the, the Caleb Downs last year and Justice Haynes. This is you, – you can't spin it any other way. This is a miss. Now – you can say, okay, Georgia and Rada, you've said this, Georgia has a point it's willing to go to with um, with with NIL for incoming freshmen. KJ Bolden is a guy that even went above and beyond that a little bit for, but at a certain point, you've got to stick to your guns and say, you know, this this has gotten uh, this has gotten too rich for our blood. And you you were talking with some members of the UGA donor class and then those kind of people and, and they had all these, you know. They had deals in mind for KJ Bolden if and when he came to Athens, but again, at a certain point, it just it gets to be too much. And I think that's what happened here. Florida State's getting a good player. KJ Bolden is a very good player. He's a five star for a reason. Um, 
very dynamic. Could be he's going to be a safety, but could play offense as well. And um, you know, now Georgia is is going to have to look elsewhere if it wants to add a fourth defensive back to this class. Yeah, I think one of the reasons they went out of their comfort zone with the whole NIL thing, of course, Kirby Smart can't set that up, but the Classic City Collective, which is the, uh, I won't say the fundraising arm, it's the arm of UGA. Coaches and schools can work with collectives, but the collectives are independent because they're basically just putting players in touch with people who want to be sponsors, basically who Mm -hmm. want to hire them. And the schools can't do it because then it becomes an inducement to signing. So they have to have that kind of buffer. But Kirby can say, hey, if you've got a, a guy lined up who's willing to pay half a million dollars to this kid, I don't like that. I, 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 that gives me bad locker room juju. If, you know, And you think about Georgia's seniors. A lot of those guys didn't have that kind of NIL thing coming in. I don't think NIL was available when Xavier Trust was signing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. It just doesn't seem like he's been around that long. So if you're the starting left tackle at Georgia, or it's just going to be a starting left guard, and your name is Xavier Truss, and you may have some deals now because people want you to be the face of their company, but everyone's in a bidding war for a freshman offensive lineman, you know, a high school kid, and he comes in and he's making six times what you do, but you're the starter, that's going to lead to some locker room issues. Maybe that kid's not listening to you because, hell, I'm paid more than you, man. I don't have to listen to your crap. I'm, I'm the man. Look how much they paid me. They ain't paying you jack. That can happen, or it could just be resentment. You know, Xavier Trust, not to say that he would, but you know, one of your senior guys would be like, why should I teach you anything? Mm-hmm. You got all the answers, money bags. So it, it becomes an issue in the locker room, and Kirby Smart doesn't want that. Now, what he would like to do is say, hey, if you've got somebody willing to do half a million dollars in NIL, give that to the guy that might go pro this year. Keep him around. Mm-hmm. Our proven starters. Um, keep the guy who's thinking about going in the transfer portal from transferring. Yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Or, hey, there's a guy in the transfer portal we know is a starter. His name's Dominic Lovett. <laughs> he's he's the best wide receiver on that uh, Missouri team. If he comes here, maybe he'll get a better deal. He wasn't getting paid a ton of money at Missouri, but Luther Burden, the freshman, came in, was getting a crap ton. So, again, I don't know what uh, – Dominic's deal is or anything like that. I'm just saying that. So the point is for people that we've got a lot of questions about this. Why didn't Georgia just match what FSU did? Georgia had a level and they went, they matched Ohio state. They matched Auburn. They had Ohio, they had FSU beat and then FSU just went off the charts, just almost doubled what they did. And at some point you're like, no, this, this is not how we like to do business. We hate to lose him, especially after losing Caleb Downs last year. That was a knockdown, dragout fight, losing Caleb Downs and Justice Hayes. Uh, that's those two. Kirby wanted Kirby wants to redo some both of those. So this year you try to get KJ Bolt, and it didn't happen. So, and just to put a to put a bow on the KJ Bolton thing, it's Blaine has said this too. Every school is using NIL in in every way imaginable, right? It's it's yeah. it's the wild west. It's whatever. Georgia is no different, but Kirby Smart has taken the approach of, hey, like you said, we're going to use this on our older guys. We're going to use it as a roster retention tool more than anything. And, you know, they won two national titles, so it's hard to argue that it's not working. So that's how it's going to be. Obviously, NIL, there's so much down the line with, with regulation and congressional action and all that kind of stuff. But that's how Kirby Smart has established 
how Georgia's going to use it, and that's, I'm sure, how he's going to continue using it going forward. I want to point out two things of the Kirby Smart era that I'm sure you noticed because you're smarter than I am. Uh, when Kirby Smart, Smart first got here, this that team looks nothing like his team looks now. Size, just absolute behemoths out there. Uh, speed, they're faster. He's got some elite speed guys out there. Now, I mean, I remember covering Justin Scott Wesley and you know some uh, guys who could absolutely fly, but at more than just one position. He's got inside linebackers who can torch it. He's got safeties who can zoom, you know, uh, track guys running a wide receiver. Uh, they're faster. They're bigger. They're in better shape. And the other thing that this team, his teams have had is he doesn't talk about the physical attributes of his team a whole lot, even though that's what he recruits for. But he talks about the leadership, the locker room mentality. He's constantly pushing that leadership and that ownership of the team. And what he wants is guys who will call out other players. That's his number one priority, if you will. I need that Xavier Trust, that Cedric Van Brand, you know, that Teddy Radledge chewing the ass off of a freshman offensive lineman. I need them to do it because if they care and they hold each other accountable, then you create a culture of winning. That's the most important thing to him. So uh, not screwing with the locker room and chemistry, it's a big deal. And a, a lot of people think of it as, well, I, I don't care about that. Get me a killer. Get me a, get me a bumper. Get me a, a, a speedster. Kirby's like, they've got to fit our mentality. He, he does the same thing with coaches. There are coaches that have interviewed at Georgia. He's like, that guy's just not a right fit with our staff. And all of a sudden, that person becomes a uh, offensive or defensive coordinator at a competing school. And people are like, oh, well, he, you know, he applied to Georgia, and Georgia didn't hire him. And Georgia passed on him because he wasn't the right fit. Kirby's a big deal on fit, and he's a big deal on work ethic. So a lot of that plays into his whole system when it comes to recruiting. There's a, like you were talking about retention and stuff like that. He's he's also looking for those leaders and those the character things. And I think you're you're just dead on. <laughs> like Bobby, uh, Buford guys just don't go to Georgia. The kid would have gone somewhere else if even. I mean, even if he wasn't at Buford, if he'd been at Cedar Grove, if he'd been at uh, anywhere else, when you put, when uh, that deal comes up, he's going. He, Buford wasn't the deciding factor there. Mm -hmm. that, and that's not to say that Buford's been kind to Georgia. It has not. Um, but I, I, each one is different. I just think that Buford, I don't want to say they're getting a bad rap because <laughs> some of it, it does feel like uh, Georgia's cursed in that area. But it, you just got to give Buford credit for having so many good players. So, uh, Yeah, for sure. All right, um, let's move on from K.J. Bolden. You kind of explained what happened there. Yesterday, Georgia did pick up a big commitment. Give us his name and why it's big for Georgia. Yeah, Nate Frazier, a running back from uh, modern day in California, which is being alluded to in the comments over here. Uh, he's the number one all-purpose back in the country. Uh, I think if you, if you put in all running backs, he's like six or seven, number 70 overall. And, and it's huge. You know, Georgia has wanted to add a third back in this class, and it was – if it was the right guy, Nate Frazier has been that guy who has been zeroed in on as the, the guy Georgia wanted to add. So he's, he's got pretty good size, 5'11", 205, but that lends itself to he can catch the ball in the backfield, 
He can run inside the tackles, outside the tackles. Uh, he's got good speed, I think four or five time in the 40. So not necessarily a burner, but but solid speed there. And and he plays at a winning program. I mean, he plays at a huge powerhouse program uh, at modern day out there, which y'all out there who follow uh, high school football know that's, that's some of the best football in the country uh, played out there. So um, Georgia, he actually, we, we talked about this on the show yesterday. He took an unofficial visit in June. The buzz coming out of that weekend was he might have silently committed to Georgia on that trip, along with Chauncey Bowens, who flipped from Florida to Georgia on that trip. And then a couple weeks later, a story came out and said, well, that's not what I said. I, I said, <laughs> Chauncey's home. And people thought I said, I'm home, whatever. And then the story from our uh, recruiting director, Adam Gorney, said he quoted Nate as saying, yeah, I actually did silently commit. I was just trying to throw people off the trail. So uh, <laughs> it was so bad. It was such a bad. He has been a. Uh, Oh my God. Been, a, been a bulldog, um, you know, in 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 reality for for a couple months now. Went public with it, and you know, if you add him, he's kind of the 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 balanced back. Dwight Phillips is the burner. Chauncey Bowens is the thumper, and Nate Frazier is kind of the cross between the two. So, all three of those guys together makes for one heck of a running back class for a uh, McGee and company. I was trying to. Uh, I need to look up that video of Chauncey Bowens. Uh, deadlifting 635 pounds, show feet together, you know, no straps, no sumo style. And you talk about him being a thumper. And, and Kirby Smart loves that. He loves to get a thunder lightning type guys, you know, just that uh, one absolute burner, one guy who goes between the tackles. And he was a man short last year. They got their uh, thumper in Roderick Robinson, but they missed out on Justice Haynes. So I kind of feel like Nate Frazier is the Justice Haynes of last year. I mean, just size-wise, uh, all-purpose capabilities, you know, good soft hands. It, it, is that a reach for me? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. You can say yes, dude. It's all right. I haven't seen Nate play, so. <laughs> yeah, Justin. you're full of shit, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, with the all-purpose capabilities for sure, and that's what you look at what Georgia's done on these national championship teams. 21 team, James Cook, phenomenal out of the backfield. Last year, Kenny McIntosh, phenomenal out of the backfield. So you, you need those guys if you're playing a, a you know, not not spread offense, but if you're going to spread the field and and exploit mismatches, that's these are the kind of guys you need in the backfield. And Dwight Phillips is a guy like that too. Dwight Phillips has got four sub four three speed in the forty yard dash, so he's obviously a burner. Um, but I think Nate Frazier is probably the most, um, I guess, complete all around back that Georgia's got out of the three. Um, just with his ability to kind of run run it and catch it. I'm loving watching the clips of him. Just uh, seems to have good vision, great balance. I mean, that's a – you know, we have a show on Wednesday with no Sean Moreno on there, and that was the first time that I just saw a guy with transcendent balance because you could just hit him, and his hips would just sway out, you know, or his shoulders go one way, and he would just stay upright and keep running. And it's like, ah, I thought I'd knock him down. It's not going to happen. Uh, watching Nate's clips there. And again, I don't know. I mean, I know that they, he plays on a good team. I'm not sure how good the teams he's playing are. And um, he, he's just killing these kids. So the acceleration, uh, like I said, the soft hands. I mean, Kirby's had that, as you point out, you know, the James Cook, the DeAndre Swift, the Sony Michelle's, you know, uh, shout out to Sony in his uh, retirement. Guys that you could count on out of the backfield and Kenny McIntosh maybe to be in the best of them. So uh, you got to have those guys that can catch him. I'm just telling you, folks, I know a lot of people want to kind of pull their hair out when they think about 
uh, Mike Bobo being the offensive coordinator. And I think that you're an idiot if you if you do that. And I'm not I've known Mike a long time. I covered him when he was in college. I've been doing this forever. We are friendly, but we don't hang out. We're not friends, if you will. Uh, I know his son I coached against him. Uh, good family. Great. He has a great family. But I'm not trying to defend Mike just because I've known him for a long time. I'm just telling you, when he was at Georgia, he got a bad rap, and it's really started bugging me that when the narrative emerged that um, Mike this, Mike that. I'm like, when he's putting up 41 points a game, that's pretty damn good. Now, Brent Rollins, one of our great analysts here at Georgia, he put out a five predictions today, and one of the predictions was Georgia sets a new record, school record, in points per game. So he what was it, 41.8? He thinks they go over that. So I'm assuming like 42 points a game. It's an easy schedule. Maybe if Georgia doesn't call the dogs up, I think they can do that. The reason I'm bringing the, uh, Mike Bobo up is if you give him these tools, he's going to know what to do with them. The guy can go all air, all ground attack, a little bit of both, and he got like what what they're giving him to work with. So yeah, and uh, there's the uh, Southern says uh, stacked on O-line. Yeah. I noticed that uh, Jake uh, Crane came on and uh, about this Nate Frazier thing. He says, of course he wants to go run behind that Georgia offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, is, it, is it five or six offensive line commits in this class? Six. Six. Six, six giants. Yeah. That's right, because four of them are six foot seven or higher or yeah, it's something, something, something like that, and like, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, it's literally like, all like Stacy Searles climbed up a bunch of beanstalks to to bring these guys down out of the clouds. Athens, it's 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 crazy. I, and then the curious thing is, not all of them are going to end up to tackle. Who are the guys that end up kicking in to play guard? That's what I'm most curious about when all these guys get on campus. Well, I mean, Kirby even mentioned what was it? Uh, when do we speak to him? Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah, last Wednesday. We, he was he was asking them about depth, you know, and he's like, "I'm I'm concerned about our depth at tackle." Mm -hmm. And I, it's funny that morning I put out notes saying Georgia is thinnest that it's ever been on the offensive line, and people are like, "What the hell are you talking about? Are you on crack again?" Like, no, not this week, not this week. But the idea, and you can uh, argue with me if you want to. When you look at where Georgia has been, yes, they have tons of numbers. They have some really good guys behind, backing up that first offensive line. You still got, you know, uh, Micah Morris who's ready to jump in there. You know, you got uh, uh, Fairchild, there's uh, Austin Blasky, guys who are ready to jump in and make it. But what have you had coming up to this year? Behind a lot of those starters, you had obvious NFL first-round picks. So behind Jamari Sawyer, you had Broderick Jones. Behind Warren McClendon, you had Amarius Mims. You had just guys, there was no question that they were going to be great at what they did. How many first-rounders do you have backing up this first-string offensive line? Yeah, I mean... It, it, you know what I'm saying? Depth-wise, there's bodies, but is there NFL yeah, guys? And the thing is that, you know, that 2022 recruiting class didn't hasn't paid you no favors great yeah because Ernest Green is solid and Ernest Green very well could be your starting left tackle in a couple weeks but outside of that like Jacob Hood's gone Griffin Scroggs is gone 
Um, Alou Ba is is solid, a guy that has that has earned some praise this spring. But like you said, there's not one of those surefire walk in day one and look like a first rounder types. It's the development with these last two classes is going to be key to keep things going. There's a, there's a realistic scenario where a bunch of these guys don't pan out and Georgia's in in big trouble. Along I mean, the yeah. Um, Drew Bobo it was part of that class. Like I said, Luba, you, uh, some transferred away. You, you've got one surefire guy out of that class. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough. So you've, you've, there's a chink in the armor there. So why, that's why they have six guys committed in this class. And so it's really important. So anyway, all right. So we'll move on from Frazier. Um, you put out the news recently that uh, let's talk targets. So missed on one, got one. The other guy that we thought might actually be committing to, was it today or yesterday? It was today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, Williams Nwanari. Uh, but he's actually going to do it August 14th. What's the latest on Williams Nwanari, the number three player in the nation? Yeah, so this is it's shaping up to be one kind of like KJ Bolden's, honestly. Um, you know, it's it's depending on who. Like some believe that it's Georgia and Missouri. Some feel it's Oklahoma and Missouri. Missouri is kind of the trendy hot team right now. Um, they have Williams is an in-state Missouri kid. The NIL laws in the state of Missouri allow him to profit, make NIL money while he's still in high school if he signs with an in-state school. So that's a plus. Oklahoma's got the longstanding relationships. They've been kind of the team that's around the longest. Georgia really got in this thing starting in, in you know January, February. Jader Uzodaribe is has done a great job building relationships. He took an official visit. He got on campus for a few hours right before the dead period late in June. So Georgia's in it. Um, the more, you know, the more the more I I hear things and look and try to get the full picture of this thing, I honestly would I wouldn't be shocked. I would think I think he's gonna go to either Oklahoma or Missouri. Um, Georgia's in it, they're trying hard. Um, this is like when we were talking about NIL earlier. This is a guy, and Roddy, you mentioned this in your um notes after KJ Bolden committed to Florida State. This is a guy who some of those those big money people could pivot to and say, this is the guy who we could start lining things up for. So, and, and he's at a position of, of uh, not need a, a position that affects the game, right? He's right in. He's a passer. I mean, you look at these highlights, he's wrecking games out there. He's, he is that. He's a bad Walker, you know, <laughs> game wrecker type. So uh, he's decided. Four right guard. Jesus. He, Dude, um, you know, again, I I personally, I don't, as of 9 o'clock on Monday night, I do not uh, believe it'll be Georgia. Now, could it be? Absolutely. I mean, K.J. Bolden's thing went back and forth a million times between, uh, you know, over the last five, six days. So, Georgia could be. I mean, Georgia's pitch is come to Athens, be developed, get get NIL money, some NIL money while you're here. And then cash in with those, you know, first round draft picks, draft pick contracts, second contracts, you make all that stuff. So um, that's kind of where it is. Again, I would probably pick Oklahoma or Missouri today, but there's there's a week left and a lot yeah. happen in a week. So. All right. So I have uh, a good friend who covers Missouri and he's pretty well connected out there. And um, let me tell you what. Uh, 
he's he's heard Missouri is offering them stupid money. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's Missouri NIL. I'm not saying the coaches out there. That's just it. So. Well, and it's if you and the thing is because some people believe it's Oklahoma Missouri, but if you look at this as if you're from Williams's perspective, it would make sense if you're limiting your final three, say, to an, an quote an NIL choice. Missouri would make sense to be that choice because of the laws. You can stay home. You know, it worked with Missouri and Luther Burden in that 22 class. So that's where I think logically it would make sense for it to be Missouri, the NIL choice, Georgia, the long-term development money choice. Obviously, Oklahoma is right in this thing. They have been for a long time. Their NIL package is strong as well. Um, Brent Venables, obviously a defensive head coach who had a lot of success at Clemson. So I honestly don't know what I my opinion is that he's going to Oklahoma or Missouri. But yeah, uh, Oklahoma talking to some folks out there, uh, they do plan to come back with a better offer than what they had. Um, but it's not it's not going to touch what Missouri is going to do. And like you said, uh, this is a kid who's not going to uh, uh, be an early enrollee. So. And we about, it's the same thing we talked about with KJ Bolden. At a certain point, Georgia hits its not to say that Georgia doesn't have money, because obviously Georgia has it. It's just not how they like to allocate it. And with with how I hate to use the term bidding war because that, that kind of has a negative connotation, but but with the battle that's going on with Oklahoma, Missouri already, it's still a week to go. I think if it's not already there that price point is going to hit something that Kirby Smart and company are like, you know what, we're yeah. not going to. Georgia was here with K.J. Bolden. They had to match Ohio State. Then Auburn came in over that. They had to match Auburn. They had to match FSU, and they matched FSU, and then FSU basically almost doubled it. And they're like, okay, this, this we're out. And now, so, if you and each one made them incredibly uncomfortable. That's not what they want to do. And they don't want it out there that, you know, that that's what happened, you know, there that, because if you if you're going to uh, uh, honestly break the bank or make an exception for him, well, what's every other kid in the class going to say? Hey, break it for me too. So um, and you know it's it's um, you know if if Georgia sells them if, if they find the magic formula of saying hey, this is what Georgia can do for you. These are the contracts you can get. Then, then Georgia's got as good of a shot as anybody because you look at what George, Georgia's NFL, the production of sending guys to the NFL the past few years, it's it's not matched by Oklahoma or Missouri. So well, that's why they have the number one class now with, without going all in. There are kids in this class that I know were offered more money than what Georgia's NIL deals were, but they want to come because they want that development. They want that shot at the NFL. They know that uh, just about every week over at UGA during the fall, there are NFL scouts walking through practice. And and I want to make it clear, too, because it sounds like, you know, that we're, you know, sticking up for, for Kirby and saying, oh, they would never. You are. I'm not. And, and yeah, right. Um, this is, again, like I said earlier, everybody uses NIL. George uses NIL. Texas, yes, they do. It's, it, this isn't a, a, you know, Georgia is the high and mighty pure as new new snow kind of thing but it it is this is the approach that kirby smart has taken to building his roster is we will say hey the reason you come to georgia is 
you can make the the money on the back end. Right. Let, let me let me put it like this: Georgia has a very good deal for the 27 kids committed in their recruiting class. But KJ Bolden was the number nine player in the country. Williams Nwanari is the number three player in the country. And that's not to say that they are just chasing money. Uh, but if you're in their family, you're like, well, here's a school offering double. It was the first school to offer you. It's your dream school. And if you got two schools neck and neck, well, hell, go with the one offering you double the money that right. is the one you want you want to go with right right off the bat. Now you have Georgia and Missouri, two teams going back and forth in Oklahoma. But if you're Williams Nwanari and you're like, well, hell, they're going to give me a lot more money. See, in-state school, the point being we're giving a lot of – as you said, we're, we're not trying to defi- defend UGA. We're just trying to let you folks know what's actually going on. You're in a battle for the t- – two of the top 10 players in the nation and there are competing interests. And let's say, let's say the deal was a hundred thousand dollars for everybody in the 2027 class or in the, the, uh, the 27 commits. And then you get to one of these guys and they're like, well, we want $300,000 because that's what so-and-so is offering. You're like, ah, good luck, buddy. Go, Hey, we love you. If you ever need us, we're here for you. We'll, we'll root for you. Uh, but you know, they're, Georgia's not. It's not going to matter in every case, but in some cases it will. And in these two, I think there it does. Uh, it does matter. It, it, it's part of the uh, calculus into these decisions. All right. So August fourteenth, uh, uh, Nwari will make his decision. Uh, three teams in it. I know Oklahoma is going to try to catch up with what Missouri is, but my Missouri guy tells me that uh, right now. It's a done deal. Now, it was a done deal for K.J. Bolden, too. He told Georgia he was coming the night before uh, he made his decision. He told him that morning he was coming, and then around uh, 12, 1 o'clock, uh, things changed. So that is how it goes down. All right. uh, so who's next? After williams Nori, who's next? So a couple of guys uh, actually just today kind of – gave some clarity to their timelines inside linebacker chris cole confirmed with us he's committing on september 10th lj mccray who is another guy at that five tech edge position like we were just talking about with williams nuanery he had a, a cryptic he just tweeted out october so that would make you think he's committing in october that could mean a lot of things but it, that makes sense because we've long thought that his decision is a little bit dependent on Nwanri, where he goes, like if, if Georgia gets Williams, then then McCray might look elsewhere and vice versa. So that that timeline makes sense. I think the one guy we don't really know about yet is Aiden Breland, who uh, defensive tackle for modern day teammates with um, Nate Frazier out there. He doesn't have a timeline set that I know of. Um, more and more kids are committing in the early part of their seasons. So um, but but I haven't seen anything from him, so he could be one who's who's going to take it into the fall, maybe until December. I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from him or heard anything from him, so that's the one we're kind of keeping an eye out for as far as dates go. Uh, but again, Chris Cole, September 10th, which is the day after the I think it's the Ball State game, second one, and um, LJ McCray be on the lookout in uh, in October. Those are the two that kind of. Bridge and then and no question on Aiden Breland. It would feel weird to have two kids from Mater Mater D Mater D Mater D. <laughs> it have to. It'd be feel weird to have two kids from there because it seems like Georgia has 
not been uh, successful getting kids out of there. I know they got JT Daniels, the transfer out of there, but I mean, he did he wasn't there all four years, was he? I think he just popped in. I do not know. I'd have to go back, but yeah, it's uh, that would be wild. All right, um, we do need to get to a bunch of questions, and then I think we have some questions in the uh, comment section there. But let's uh, before we get to the uh, questions on the vault ugasports.com, tell us about our lovely rumors versus facts sponsors. Yes, Rumors versus Facts is sponsored by Julie, the bookkeeper, a personal bookkeeping for your small business. There, it's all the good things, right? Accurate, professional, reliable, timely, likable. Julie's great. Her husband Chris is great. They're Georgia fans, so that's all. Right. Um, you know, for 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 companies of every size, you need somebody to help you. You know, get get your books straight, find all the money you're missing. They can save you hundreds of dollars with the work they do. You can schedule a call at juliethebookkeeper.com that's julie j-u-l-i-e the bookkeeper.com um you can you can tell them to schedule a free 30-minute meeting get to know julie get a quote um and and you can go from there so georgia fans want to help you save money and you can support uh georgia fans as well so again that's julie the bookkeeper at julie j-u-l-i-e the bookkeeper.com i always love it all right, uh, why don't you start hitting up the questions there? Yeah, as soon as I find them. Um, <laughs> hey, this what? is a, a well-oiled machine here. At I got it. Backs. We had power mm -hmm. outages today. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so folks, <laughs> I was without power until about 8.20. There you go, I got him. Cool. All right, first one from San Diego Dog 1. San Diego Dog, long time uh, poster on the dog. Went. How long has he been on there? 2015. I think he's been on there even longer than that. I think this might. I think he had to go San Diego Dog and then San Diego Dog one. But uh, is it really a bias against UGA at Buford or just the creation of the Vit Echo Chamber? Great question, San Diego Dog. So, yeah, it's that's. I mean, like you said, it, it's at a certain point. I mean, the 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 vent would have you believe. First day of fall practice. The staff has a slideshow that says, okay, this is how we put our uniforms on. This is where you put your stuff up. And, oh, by the way, no one here goes to Georgia. Screw um, those bastards. Yeah. So I don't think that's true. Um, however, it, it is, like you said, it's hard to ignore the the um, lack of success Georgia has had there. Um, K.J. Bolden, obviously the latest example. Edric Houston is a guy who – Georgia's pursued hard, doesn't seem to be going to Georgia. Jaden Perlotti is committed in the 2025 class. He seems to be trending away. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's it's hard to say it's just a coincidence just because you would think at some point you would fall into a Buford recruit on accident. But at the same time, like, I don't know – I don't know what the – what the infrastructure, I guess, of of a bias against Georgia would be, unless it's just, I mean, I mean, Roddy, you know, you it's Gwinnett County is 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 I don't know, transient, I guess. Like, there's a lot of families from out of state, and there, there's you know, there's a it's a it's a different demographic than the guys like Dejan Edwards who come from South Georgia. It's not a bad thing. It's just you know, I think people assume if you're an hour or whatever away from Athens. It's one of those communities where everybody's a Georgia fan. Everyone's got the Georgia flag outside their house. 
And that's just not really how Metro Atlanta as a whole is. Not just, no. not just Buford, but all of Metro Atlanta. So whereas South Georgia is is a little more like that. So I don't you know. You also have that in Warner Robins and you can have that Troop County where you've got people right. coming in for the military bases and such, you know, and they're like, hey, yeah. uh, I, I, I spent my first eight years in Texas, you know. So, yeah, you're a top 100 kid, but you maybe you maybe you've only been in uh, Georgia for three years. So you just don't have that. The family's not all Georgia all the time. Yeah, I mean, and again, I don't think it's there's. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's I've I've done this job two years, and it's very interesting just watching that dynamic because because the kids, all the kids there, they they speak highly of Georgia. They they say, "Hey, position coach X is my guy. I love him. He's great." Um, and then it gets down to it, and and they're ending up elsewhere. So it, it could be a situation where sometimes it's, it's just, I don't say it could be a fad and I'm going to disprove that in just a second, but the idea of, well, Hey, we are Buford. We are a powerhouse. We have all these D one guys here. It would be easy to go to Georgia, but if you really want to be cool, you're such a badass and such a D one guy, you can go to Ohio state. You can go to uh, Florida. You can go to Clemson. You can go to Texas. You can go to uh, USC. You know, it's like, well, and, and Georgia, Georgia, Georgia's a plan B, you know, because it'd be easy if you're from Buford to go there. And, and Georgia, from their perspective, they are aware of this. When you talk to the KJ Boldens, the Edric Houston's, they say, yeah, Georgia tells us you can be the first Buford kid to come here. You can start something. You can be the trendsetter. So Georgia's aware of it. I don't know that they believe it's a curse or whatever, but it is a trend that has been. Uh, noticed uh, and you know Montgomery Van Gorder on staff is a Buford alum and he sells that to these kids. Hey, break break the mold, be your own guy, come to Georgia. Uh, obviously, well, I mean, that work with KJ Bolden. It works with Jaden Perlotti to land his commitment. Is it going to work to sign Jaden Perlotti? That's kind of the the question right now. So, uh, yeah, Buford. It's it's the dynamic, especially on the vault. The last couple of days talking about Buford is, is very. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you said you've been doing it two years. I've been doing this, uh, at least recruiting, since 2007. So I've seen a lot. I remember going to Buford to see Jess Simpson. And I'm like, hey, coach, uh, after practice, I'd like to interview some of your players. He got mad at me. Like, mm-hmm. A bunch of cur- curse words. I'm like, what the shit, dude? I'm I'm here to promote your players. You know, some of these guys that people don't know about them. I'm going to interview them. And he's like, look, when you come here and he's like rubbing his temples, you know, I'm going to hear about it from every kid that you interview. I'm going to hear from the parents that you don't interview. And it caused more work for him, a bigger headache. And so he's like, look, you pick the ones you want. And I'm like, well, coach, I'm looking to you because you know them better. Who do you think has got D1 talent? I don't want to just talk to you top three stars. I want to talk to all of them. I wound up interviewing 26 kids mm-hmm. and wound up writing like, writing like 12 stories. And the last couple were other names to know at Buford, you know? So it was just, that was like 2007 or 2000, early in the career when I was doing it. Uh, I remember going to their uh, Dallas Lee is a Georgia and his younger brother Dylan. I remember going over there to see Isaac Nada, uh, so many games I've covered over there, teams that were playing them, you know, it was there uh, when Gainesville beat them with Deshaun Watson, uh, just, 
and you interview kids and they're like, yeah, I love Georgia. Georgia's great. But it doesn't sound like when you go somewhere else, you're like, oh, man, Georgia. Yeah, I go up there all the time. And Georgia did everything they could to get KJ Bolden out of there. I mean, it's they were all over him all the time for years. I mean, we, we covered him as a freshman there. So what are you going to do? Anyway, uh, next question. We'll move on to uh, uh, R Hall 55 says, any chance we get uh, Williams, Nwanari, and McRae, the 2024 class versus the 2025 class? What are the comparisons, strengths, and weakness? Uh, you kind of touched on Williams and McRae. Uh, you already answered those. Kind of a no, yes. Uh, I mean, I don't think they get both. I mean, that, that's a little extra nugget. I, I don't think Georgia ends up with both. I think they're both takes. Like, I think. Yeah. If Georgia landed Williams DeWanery, LJ McCray is still a take. Um, it, it, it's not that. I just I think if Nwanery comes, McCray might focus his attention elsewhere. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I could be wrong, but I I don't see. I don't think Georgia would get both both of them. Yeah. Is there a chance to get one of the two? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, twenty four class versus twenty twenty five class. What are the comparisons, strengths versus weaknesses? Do we have enough of a read on the 2025 class to actually do that comparison? I mean, I think one one area you can watch is is defensive line because Georgia already has Justice Terry, who is a freak show, um, absolute just monster. Not a vir- not just a viral tweet anymore. He's actually a really good football player. <laughs> um, so there's him. You've got Elijah Griffin, the number one player in the class, who is very, very, very high on Georgia at this stage in his recruitment. So you look at those two, and then you look at some other peripheral names who could come up, you know, guys like um, there's Zion Grady out of Alabama and Edge. There's um, uh, Jared Smith from Alabama. There's Bryce Davis from North Carolina, the same high school that produced uh, Jamal Jarrett, actually visited Georgia for the cookout a couple weeks ago, talked to him today. Um, So you look at that defensive front – there's a lot of, of potential, especially the farther out you go from the interior of the line, you know, the three tech, five tech and, and edge outside linebacker. It's, there's a lot of meat on the bone where you look at it and say, if everything falls right, this thing could get real, real wild in a hurry. I would like to see that uh, if I'm a Georgia fan, I would like to see the uh, that list there on the screen of the 2025 uh, commits start to include some high-end wide receivers. Yeah, and there's, that's the, that's the I'm a third of wide receivers in this incoming class. There's, I mean, obviously there are none committed. Although Elias Williams is is a guy who you could split out a receiver, but you know there's there's Ryan Williams, the number one receiver committed to Alabama. They're pursuing him. There's Marcus Harris from Modern Day, who, who's a guy to know. There's, um, oh gosh, I'm just gonna sit here and, and blank on everybody. I guess, um, I don't know, man. It's 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 early. There's a lot of it, it's still very early, and I think the 25 board will begin to take shape a little bit in the fall, especially because a lot of the work in the 24 class is like is done. So you talk about yeah. coach getting head starts on that 25 class. The Georgia staff has a shot to do that just with, with so much hay already in the barn for the 24 class. So um, I think when you get to about January 1st, we're going to just from who shows up at games this fall and all that kind of stuff, 
you're going to get a much better idea of what the pecking order is at, at every position in that 25 class, but but uh, receiver included. Here's something that's very interesting. I just saw on our Missouri site. I uh, talk about uh, Williams and Wannery. Uh, we've all, we've talked about the fact that uh, they could start getting paid by when they sign with Missouri. So basically, and you know, everyone's always kind of thought of that being the national letter of intent, right? You can't sign a national letter of intent, you know, until signing day in December. But the way the law reads is uh, a high school athlete shall have the right to earn or attempt to earn such compensation only after signing an athletic letter of intent or other written agreement to enroll in a post-secondary educational institution in this state. The phrase other written agreement carries a lot of weight. Um, yeah. Something like a financial aid agreement or scholarship agreement can fall under that category. And which, a kid does not have to wait until December 20th to sign the paper. Which financial aid agreements, one, you can sign a lot farther out. Two, you can sign them with, with multiple schools. Like that's that's uh, That is very interesting. That's some breaking news there from our Missouri site. So it looks like Gabe and those guys did a little digging into the, uh, the actual law itself. And those, you know, I give Missouri their school of journalism a lot of grief because it's one of the best in the country and, you know, competes with Georgia a lot. But I, I got to tell them that I got to give them credit for that one. Digging that little tidbit up there is very interesting about uh, Williams and Juan right there. So, all right, uh, let's go back. From Andy Stowe, are there any available elite safeties UGA can circle back to, even committed to another team, but still looking around? You had a story on this. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah, I had a story on that. Yes, I think there's – and I, I preface this by saying there is a very good chance that somewhere throughout the fall, Kirby Smart and staff are going to evaluate a guy, offer him, turn up the heat on him, whatever. No one knew who Kyron Jones was at this time last year. And then he he ends up signing in the class. So that is a very strong possibility as well. Um, Cam Michael is in the picture right there. Is more of a corner. I talked to him today. He said Georgia, the vision for him is corner. How he would factor into this thing, specifically talking about safety. I think if Georgia signs Michael, they might end up playing DeMello Jones, current commit, obviously, as, as more of a safety star. That's just a thought. I don't I don't know that for sure, but that would make sense. Um, Xavier Phil Same right there is committed. Yeah, Michael is not a big dude. No, he's not. He's exactly so that would make sense. Um, Xavier Phil Same committed to Florida since April. Uh, Georgia was, was interested in him, they were in his top group. He's been committed to Florida for uh four months now. Um, he had an official visit scheduled to Athens and canceled it, so Georgia still has that in its back pocket. The question is. Can you convince him to to give you a shot? Basically, can can you get the time of day with him? Can you start making inroads? Can you get him on campus? That would be the big movement yeah. there if Georgia can get him back on campus. Same with Zaquan Patterson, there from uh, South Florida. He he had interest in Georgia earlier on in this cycle, but Georgia was more focused on Peyton Woodyard, KJ Bolden, obviously, and so he's he's moved on. He's got a top five. It's Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Miami. And Auburn, maybe, and Auburn. There you go. So, um, could Georgia get back in it with him? Maybe. I personally might think the ship might have sailed on that one, um, but but you never know. And then Marcellus Barnes, Georgia offered him in the spring. 
And he, he was all excited. He, he was like, me and Coach Fran said I could fit well in the defense. He was very excited about it. And, and as committed to Virginia Tech, you wonder if Georgia turns up the heat on him now. Do they wait until later in the fall, get some some current game film to make those decisions? Uh, he's a name that that is worth monitoring, I guess, just as a guy who holds an offer, has visited Athens, um, that kind of stuff. So those are the ones. But, again, I think it's – if you if you told me you can have those four or the field, a guy who comes out of nowhere after staff evaluates in this fall, I'd probably take the field just because that's something that Martin company have have made a habit, especially with again with only a few spots left in this twenty four class. That gives your defensive staff, defensive back staff, especially more time to, you know, essentially hey say hey we're going to comb the country and try to try to find somebody standing out on film. So. Um, but again, those guys are worth monitoring too. It's yeah. So if y'all see it, y'all see a good safety out there, let the coaches know. Whoever starts showing up on campus is is going to be, uh, you know, who who starts shooting up the uh, the board there. All right, uh, let's go back to the questions. We'll go to Space Pop Three. It's going to be Space Pope Three. Space Pope. Does uh, Georgia shift Bolden's NIL money to the winery or Breland? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely possible. I mean, that would make sense, right? If if you if you are are a guy who's saying I want KJ Bolden to be the face of my whatever, the winery is is kind of the next target at a at a premium position, pass rusher, right? So, I think that would that would make sense. Yes, but it won't be enough. Next question, Pine Tree One, Jed, do you think uh, Michael McCray and Cole are properly rated or underrated? Well, as loyal rumors versus facts watchers know, I am responsible for every rivals ranking decision in the class. So all of these decisions fall on me. Uh, I think Chris Cole got a great jump. He's about one fifty-ish in the country right now. Yeah, um, he has exploded since the spring. Obviously he hasn't had any game tape since then, um, but it has put on a bunch of weight. He's still got the athleticism. I think he's a guy who could even shoot up into the top 100, depending on how he looks this fall. Um, McCray and Michael are both, both ranked outside of the top 250. I think those are guys who, you know, my, Michael, you, you, cause I don't, he he's kind of a not not necessarily a tweener. He's not the super crazy long corner uh, that where he does have good speed. He's from South Georgia, so you know he's tough. Um, so I think I think both of those guys, Michael and McCray, are positioned to you know if you have a good year, you could shoot up. I mean, I think that's where that's kind of the beauty of this thing is that at a point, it's it's all about what you put on the field. So. You know, again, six foot, one hundred and seventy-three pounds. That that's not huge by any means. No, um, I saw him in person. He's not a big guy, but he's also listed as an athlete. Now, if right. he would spend all his time at cornerback, then maybe he moves up on the cornerback rankings. And spend all his time at wide receiver or whatever. Right, and that's that can hurt you sometimes in the rankings. Everyone besides Georgia is recruiting Michael as a receiver. Is is what he has said at some point. So. Yeah. Again, if, you, if George is recruiting him as a receiver and you think, okay, six foot, 175 pounds, that sounds like a pretty, that sounds like a slot receiver to me. But if George is looking at him from a corner's perspective, that seems a little small to play corner. But again, he's got, you know, 
three months of high school left if he early enrolls and be on campus in January, and that's when you can pack on the pounds. So it's not a huge deal. Um, I think they're they're pretty fairly rated, but they both McCray and Michael both got the chance to move up a good senior years. All right. Speaking of McCray uh, from Big Dog, he says, does four-star defensive lineman LJ McCray currently have a commitment timeline? Do you think he'll be part of the class? Kind of touched on that one earlier, but uh, give him a recap for Big Dog. Yeah, he's. It, it looks like October. I mean, you know, these kids today with the cryptic tweets and the whatever. I mean, that could <laughs> his birthday. Could be October, yeah, but um, you know, throw for now. Let's 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 work with the assumption he's committing in October. Um, I I I don't want to go on a limb and say he will or won't be in the class. What I will say, my opinion, he's got a better chance of ending up in the class than the Wandering, in my opinion. I think it's more likely Georgia gets McCray than the Wannery right now. So. Oh, very fair. All right, uh, for this next question, I think it's a pretty good one. It's from uh, CBuck11. Should fans be worried about losing top-ranked players in the state of Georgia in consecutive years? And I'm going to say I'll answer this one first, and you can jump in. No, they should not be worried about it. I know that sounds stupid, but let's make two important caveats here. One – we're the ones doing the rankings. Georgia's rankings may be completely different. Right. You know, and I'm not trying to crap on rivals. I've worked here for many, many years. I believe in our rankings. I know we have the best rankings in the industry. Uh, I've talked to NFL guys. They also believe that, you know, college guys believe the same thing. Uh, some think other places have the better rankings. That's very fair. Uh, you can go wherever you want, but remember a group of guys trying to, rank guys on stuff that's really hard to do because you don't know how they're going to turn out later on. Sometimes we've been dead on. Sometimes we've been completely wrong. It, it just goes back and forth. So don't let our rankings determine how, uh, if that's good or bad for Georgia. Now, a lot of times we are right on with what Georgia's looking at. And when they miss on a kid like a KJ Bolden, you know, uh, adjust his hands, guys like that. Yeah, it sucks. When they miss on Caleb Downs, they're mad about it. They, they don't want that to happen. But if you look uh, right now, I'm bringing up the uh, list here of uh, where kids are, where Georgia's going. So we've got Virginia, three from Texas, one from New York, two from New Jersey, one from North Carolina, Missouri, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. Georgia's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine guys out of 27 from committed guys from the state of Georgia. Technically, it's eight because one of them is Dylan Rayola, who just transferred into Buford. So eight guys out of uh, 27 commits are from the state of Georgia. And you go, wow, shouldn't we lock down the borders? Now when you're pulling two, three, three kids out of Florida, a, a quarterback out of Connecticut, and two players out of California. In other words, when we would go to the Corky Kell seven-on-seven, seven, the Corky Kell classics, the kickoff classics, uh, events like that in the olden days, in the Mark Rick days, you would go talk to 16, 17 kids at Georgia was recruiting. Now we skip a lot of those cla uh, those classics, those seven on sevens, because there's only like two or three guys there to talk to, and we've probably already spoken to them previously. So Georgia's taken a you – can, you can lock down the border and get good players, or you can lock down the whole damn country and get great players. Yeah, I mean, that's – That's my, that's my perspective, right, is, is – as long as you're getting the best players, At what, each position, it 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to get the best. And I think locking down the borders, so to speak, is more important when you're, one, a, a team like, like say, Tennessee, where Tennessee isn't necessarily as football-rich of a high school state as Georgia is. Um, or two, it's when you're a team that isn't necessarily a, a national brand, national power, or whatever. And Georgia has been a national brand, but now Kirby Smart and company can walk into living rooms coast to coast and slap some rings down on the table and say, come come be a part of the of the next wave of this. So um is it a concern? I mean, no, it is kind of weird the past couple cycles, but I mean, you look at Next year, Justice Terry is committed. Um, Elias Williams is committed. Elijah Griffin, the number one player in the country, is strongly considering Georgia. Um, Usman Chroma is is a guy from Lee County, one of the top players in the state, heavily considering Georgia. Um, Cortez Smith, an in-state guy. I mean, the, the, the state of Georgia is littered with talent every year when you look through the rivals, 250. So it, it's it's a – I don't know. It's a quirk, I guess. It's weird. I'm sure Kirby Smart and and his coaches don't love the optics of it. And the thing about it, too, especially last year, there were a lot of guys in the top 10 that Georgia didn't heavily pursue. And that's like you said, that's they've got their own rankings. You know, Georgia went hard after Caleb Downs. He went hard after Justice Haynes. Yeah. Went pretty hard after Vic Burley. And then, but but a little farther on down that list, there were guys who Georgia just didn't, didn't pursue super hard because they had other guys on the board. The Georgia coaching staff makes their board at each position of, of guys they they want the most, whether they live in Georgia or in Guam, right? I mean, that's just they don't. The state they have an Australian punter. Exactly. So, hey, so to to your point there, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I want to show okay. the starting depth chart for Georgia right now. You see it on screen, Carson Beck. Where's he from? Oh, yeah, Jackson. He's from Florida. Kendall Milton from California. Uh, Ernest Green. Oh, I don't think he was a Georgia kid, was he? California. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, Xavier Truss. What did he have? Like, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. The only guy they ever got out of there. Cedric Van Pran out of uh, Louisiana. Remember going to see him down there. Tay Ratledge, Georgia guy. Maris Ben, Georgia guy. Brock Bowers, California. Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint. Also Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Dominic Lovett, you get him transferring in. Lad McConkey, George Kidd, that not, you know, he is what he is. Uh, Michael Williams, that was a good one. Uh, Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, Jalen Walker, Jazz is a George guy. Dumas Johnson is not. Smile London is not. Taki Smith. Yeah, I'm just saying that's. Uh, you you look through the that roster too. You've got the national guys, and then you've got the guys the. The good evaluations from in the state, like a Javon Bullard, yeah. like a um, Malachi Starks, wasn't a good evaluation. He was just a fantastic. Good, yeah. Right, you you hit on those guys in state, where that's where those relationships I think can really come in strong with the in state. I mean, there's a reason when Georgia comes back from winning championships, they do the the ten schools in ten days for each coach, and they're at that every high school in the state seemingly. Yeah, you keep those relationships going because then they say, hey. We've got this kid on our team, or even hey, we played against this kid a couple weeks ago. We we saw this kid at a seven on seven. That's where those things can come in and help you. And those things, whether you're landing the top players in the state or not, those relationships in the state are, are very strong. So 
it's weird. It's it's kind of strange and disconcerting to look at. Is it a cause for concern? Does it mean the the, the dynasty is dying? No, I don't think so. Now, I, I was I was listening to you and I was trying to uh, remember where the hell Dominic Lovett was from, from Illinois. There you go. <laughs> so like I was like I just complete brain fart. I'm like uh, I know he's from somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but even, on defense, there's a lot of Georgia guys on there, like in Small Munden, you know, like said Bullard, Starks. Uh, that's pretty pretty impressive. But I mean, hey, you're like starting those and uh, Zion Logue or Stackhouse. Zion Logue, remember, he stole three guys from Tennessee. So mm -hmm. they all came in together. And then you look at that uh, uh, the three outside linebackers that you signed this year are defensive ends. Uh, that trio is going to be monsters, you know, getting a Marvin Jones Jr. last year. Anyway, so my point is you can lock down the – if the best player is in Georgia, which is fair because Georgia, I think, is the number four team – or number four state in the nation in producing NFL talent. You should be pulling a lot of kids from Georgia. You are the flagship university. Go get them. Go get the best ones. But at the same time, go get some of the best players from California. Go get the best players from Florida. Go get the best players from Texas. Those are three teams, three states that put more kids in the NFL than even Georgia does. Go to LSU. I mean, the Louisiana per capita puts more players, and Alabama puts in a ton of players in the NFL disproportionately to its actual population. So, um, hey, go get them all, and then yeah, win another championship. You know, Robbie Dodson makes a good point over here, too. Technology makes it easier to recruit far away. As Coach Dunn and what it would what it was like to have to recruit a kid across the country in in the late 80s into the 90s i mean it's 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 tough and it's it, that is that's a very good point that you can get film from wherever you can text kids call kids whatever it's certainly a different world than it was you know the question says the 70s but even like i said 90s early 2000s so that's another thing um what's that huddle man come on <laughs> yeah georgia doesn't have to 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 scour the state of Georgia for a bunch of scrappy kids. Cause those are the kids that know, they know everybody. And this with, with a program like Georgia, with the, all the recruiting staffers and player personnel. And it's like, that's what they do. That's their job. They, they, they find these kids, whether it's huddle, Twitter, social media, whatever. That's, that's where the, you know, the recruiting, uh, you know, mega structure comes into place is finding guys like that. All right, uh, I think that that's all the questions. All right, so let's double check and see if there's uh, any here in the corners. Uh, let's go with Andy Stowe's. What's the latest with Small Monday and his injury recovery? Um, it's going to be a while. And that's that's okay. I don't expect him to play the first two games, Andy. Uh, or excuse me, Andy Adams. I'm so used to saying Andy Stowe. Uh, Andy Adams. Uh, I don't expect him to play the first two games. I don't expect Branson Robinson to play until maybe like Vanderbilt. So it's gonna, it could be a while. Uh, here's a good one from Mo Better, 04. Like Mo Better. How does Frazier's commitment help with getting Breland? It don't hurt. <laughs> it does not hurt, especially, you know, when you're talking about a, a guy in Aiden Breland who could theoretically be coming across the country to play his college football, it certainly doesn't hurt to have a guy – a familiar face there on campus. It is tough. Uh, isn't Cash Jones from out that way? I mean, yeah, like Texas. From Texas, yeah. yeah so. It's just uh, that's also another thing. 
that helps you if you can lock down the state. You don't have guys that get real bad, uh, I won't say separation anxiety, but they get homesick. You know, and it's really tough to come out here. And I'll give uh, guys like Kendall Milton, JT Daniels, guys like that who came out, especially they got hit with COVID and you had to stay on campus forever and you couldn't go home and it's just a nightmare. All the out-of-state guys, Trust is one of them as well, who came to Georgia and basically got stuck there during the COVID era, the COVID year and a half or whatever. Shout out to those guys for sticking it out and not just losing their damn minds. That's that's tough to be away from your family with all that stuff going on. So, <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Simpson earlier. <laughs> The dog father. Y'all follow him on uh, TikTok when you get a chance. He's always putting out funny stuff. I'd love to have him on our channel, but he's uh, he's very – he is a fan, a huge dog fan. And I feel like if we had him on our channel, had him on the show here, it'd be like, it would look like we're coming across as a fanboy site. Uh, oh, here's another good question uh, from Michael Kilpatrick. What's up with uh, Jumping Gilbert? it was just it's been very strange because you know georgia was was pursuing him really hard in january and things really was picking up he was committed to ohio state and then it's things have kind of cooled off it, it's appeared and now it's you know tennessee south carolina um he has decommitted from ohio state uh that was a couple weeks ago but i don't know i don't think John J. Gilbert will be in the class. I just think Georgia's got other guys higher on that safety board, um, starting with DJ Pickett down in Zephyr Hills, Florida. So, um, you know, he's he's an in-state kid, and he's obviously someone the staff is going to continue to monitor and recruit. But um, I I don't see – I would watch Tennessee or, or South Carolina right now with John J. Gilbert. Uh, again, I don't think he's as high on, like you said, uh, not as high on Georgia's board. Just- there's been a lot of ebbs and flows in in that one, you know, throughout the spring and the summer. And I think where we're at right now is is like you said, he's he's a little bit down Georgia's board, and um, you know, I I bet he ends up elsewhere. Uh, another question from uh, Steve Rosie Ronica: uh, How big will the twenty four class be? This is this has bearing because I mean, you're the recruiting guy. You're running out of twenty four players to cover. <laughs> if you run out, I'm not. I don't keep paying. You, you can pick up checks when we start covering 2025 kids. Keep paying? Yep, pay to start with. Um, hey, hey, power on, shut up. We're at, we're at 27 right now, so um, I mean, probably close to 30. I mean, and that's – that's I mean, you could see a, a deep commitment or two. That's In fact, you'd, you'd expect it just because that's that's the nature of, of how this thing goes. Um but yeah, probably probably knocking on that thirty mark, especially if not over. And I'm again, thirty two. Whether you, I don't know if, if this is, is including transfer portal guys or not as part of this number, but you know, there's there's going to be scholarships, you know, manufactured one way or another for for potential transfer guys. So yeah, it's it's going to be around thirty for sure, at least. Yep. Well, I mean, get Breland, get Cole. Get McCray. That's 30. And then, you know, there's, there's yeah, you got to find a safety. You got to find a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is you could lose a couple guys though. Mm-hmm. That also happens every time, especially if these guys have a crappy senior year. 
Mm-hmm. Don't say Georgia won't cut them, but Georgia will tell them, hey, we're going to honor your scholarship offer. You can come here, but I can tell you the way you've developed, you will find more playing time at another school. We, we offered it. We took your commitment. You can come, but you're going to be holding up practice dummies. We've, so we've seen your senior development. It's just not where we think you should be. You either didn't get the speed or get the weight or whatever it is. And so, every, and you've done this. You've been doing it two years. How many times has a player told you, Dale McGee is very honest with me. Glenn Schumann is very honest with me. Uh, Mel Tucker was very honest with me. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Harley was very honest with me. They, they don't pull punches here. You know? Well, the perfect example, we talked about Zaquan Patterson earlier. Georgia communicated to him, hey, you are third on our safety board. We have, we're we're focusing on Peyton Woodyard and KJ Bolton. And, and so that's why I say like, you know, and some kids, and, and I, I don't know Zaquan, but but some kids say, all right, fine, I'm going to focus on other, and, you know, go to love who loves you, that kind of stuff. And some guys are, are more open to being revisited down the road. It all depends on the kids. So, um, but, but yeah, like you said, Georgia is very, I mean, Ryan Puglisi said during the whole Dylan Oyola recruitment saga after he decommitted from Ohio State, Georgia communicated to him they wanted to add another quarterback. Um, you got three running backs in this class. You can't do that if you're lying to them. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, uh, the dog father again, uh, folks. Y'all uh, subscribe to him on TikTok if you're on TikTok. I know some of you don't like TikTok, but I'm telling you, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, we're on there. Subscribe to us as well. He's only has us 16 times more subscribers than we do. Jerk. Says, let me ask that again. Uh, do we have a QB on the roster? Uh, you got three good QBs. You do not have one great QB. That's just my take. Kirby mentioned a couple times in the press conference last week, he was talking about, he was asked a lot about quarterbacks and he get, he mentioned, I think on two different uh, instances, QB played like we had last year. He knows what he had last year. He, he had at some, at some, at most of the time, pretty damn good quarterback play. And he has that potential in Carson Beck. He has a potential in uh, Brock Vandegrift. He has that potential in Gunnar Stockton. He hasn't seen it yet. Um, so to me, I'm not going to say any of those guys are great quarterbacks until we actually see them do it and do it when there is pressure. I've predicted Georgia would go 12 and 0 recently. Actually, I predicted they go 15 and 0. You know that's not me. I'm in months of night to my in my darkest bones. I just I don't I always worry that something can happen uh, when it comes to this schedule Georgia faces. I expect them to go 12 and 0. The only slip-up I can see Georgia facing, and I don't see another team out there that could really knock them off their perch right now, is one of these quarterbacks getting tight in a big game. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to face any real pressure until the SEC championship, until that playoff game. And we've seen Georgia get exposed in years past. They got destroyed by Alabama in the SEC championship game. They almost lost the uh, – uh, playoff game last year against Ohio State. When things get tight, do you have somebody who can pull you through? And that, to me, is a sign of a great quarterback. A good quarterback will win you these games. A great quarterback will win you one of those tight ones. And uh, (laughs) Stetson almost lost you a couple of those, but he did win you a couple of them, too. And I'd like to see these guys be able to pull it out under pressure. So, Mm -hmm. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah, if you want to check, agree. So, I uh, that's pretty much all the time we have for uh, this week's show. We went a little long there. Um, I apologize. Uh, I obviously like to talk a lot. 
Uh, folks, tune in next Monday at noon. Uh, Monday at noon. Monday at 8.30, we will have another episode of Rumors versus Fact. We'll have some of the other recruiting guys on here instead of my dumb ass. So you'll actually get some good recruiting knowledge. And we'll give Jed a break. Jed's been on YouTube so much lately. I live on YouTube now, dude. He's wearing I've come so far in two years. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, uh, we we normally have a show on Tuesday at noon. We're going to have to move that to Wednesday because tomorrow at noon, we get to speak to Glenn Schumann and Todd Hartley. And then uh, we get some practice uh, availability about 2.45 tomorrow. So uh, tune in tomorrow, this same channel, uh, right after we speak to those coaches, we will have videos of them posted here that you can watch and see what Glenn Schumann and Todd Hartley have to say about their teams. Until then, we'll see you later.